This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 7, Episode 2, World Building, Flora and Fauna. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. All right, Flora and Fauna, World Building. It's self-descriptive. We're going to talk about building the plants and animals for your science fiction or fantasy book. So, um, this is a big, big topic. And I thought we'd start by seeing if anyone can lay any sort of, some easy rules of thumb for how you can build up um, your, your vegetation, your plant life, and errors that people make. Mary, you're nodding your head. Well, um, this, is, this is a trick that I use in short story where you don't have a lot of room. Yeah. And uh, that is that I, I play with the names. So I, I name things uh, descriptively. Okay. Um, like bark melon. Oh, yep. Fuzzy worm. Mm-hmm. Uh, these immediately tell you that this is not something that you have on, on Earth, but it also gives you... A feel of what it is. Exactly. That's a really nice trick. Oh, what's um, interesting is that if you look at the South African, uh, the the names of a lot of the animals in South Africa, um, in uh, Afrikaans, um, it's Dutch settlers basically looking at something and saying, oh my gosh, what is that? Well, that, you know, that's actually where Wildebeest. I, yeah. Wild beast. Yeah, that, that's actually where I came up with the trick because most animal yeah. and plant names, like strawberries, those are berries that are planted in the straw. Yep, it starts that way in, in a lot of different cultures. Blueberries. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. What could those possibly be? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, that's a good trick. Um, and and w- what else? What other advice can we give? Um, one of the things that I will suggest that if you're um, – one of the big decisions you're going to have to make when you're doing this is whether you're going to look at realistic evolutionary biology or if you're just going to say what's – and decide what's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a constant tug of war for the fantasy writer. Okay, now in, in light of this, Brandon, yeah. why don't you talk us through a little bit of the uh, the animals you created for Way of Kings? Because um, like yeah. the giant crabs and stuff, you know, right. which side of that coin did you fall on and why? I usually start with the this is cool, how can I explain it with as much science as possible. That's what I do with my, um, with my fantasy. Um, and so, you know, Way of Kings has giant crustaceans. Um, I wanted. Why did I want to do this? I hadn't seen it done very much. I thought it would um, it would look interesting. I was. I felt dragons were overplayed, and some of these other giant, you know, reptiles, giant beasts that you see. I want to do giant crab monsters. Um, and so from there, I had to try and decide what was going to be the science of it. So I actually had to decrease the gravity on the planet and actually build in finally some magical reasons why these things could exist, which is fine in fantasy. In fact, I like this in fantasy because it ties the, the magical aspects into the world building and creates a cohesive whole. But it is the cheating that we can do in fantasy that you can't do in science fiction. Cue luxury from Howard. <laughs> I cheat all the time, but uh, it's, a, it's a different sort of cheating. You know, I want the biology to look... I want the biology to look real. I want the biology to look you know, plausible and well thought out. But often all I'm showing you are the interesting bits up top. And I'm explaining, uh, you know, sometimes in a footnote, sometimes not even bothering to explain it at all. Yeah. Um, hey, you know what? There's a good reason for this. But I've only given you the, the, you know, the tiny half of a 1% of the biology on this planet. Yeah. There's another 99.5% that explains why these flowers can eat people. Yep. I, I really do think you're going to want to ask yourself these questions. Mm-hmm. How much, you know, if it's a story, 
that's, that's got a hard science aspect to it, and you want to talk about the actual evolution and, um, and reason these aspects exist in an alien um, flora and fauna, that's great. That's a type of story. A lot of fantasy, you're not going to want to do this, probably. You're going to want to have some good, rational reasons, but rational doesn't necessarily mean scientific. You know, when I uh, picked up uh, Larry Niven's Legacy of Hero, uh, the back cover, um, a back cover blurb, some blurb that I read about it uh-huh. said, you know, this book was inspired by the fact that we were looking at biology and uh, found this African frog who has some really, really nasty habits. Uh-huh. And that was all the information they gave us. Well, in Legacy of Hero, you realize that there's these uh, horrible, horrible monsters who uh, gender change you mm-hmm. know, when there's no males or females around right and what they will tip what they'll end up doing is laying lots of eggs and making lots of baby fish which they then eat because if they don't eat them one of them's going to grow up and become a competitor to them and and it was fascinating to look at and the the thing that the thing that the story turned on is that when you kill the top predators suddenly all of these little fish that you've been ignoring because you didn't think they were related grow up and you're just swarmed mm-hmm. by these predators. Um, I recommend the book to anybody who wants to look at uh, you know, how a science fiction writer takes a neat piece of real biology from our world and extrapolates it into a fascinating, fascinating story. Excellent. Yeah. Um, do we have any tips, um, any other tips for doing this ourselves? Um, one thing I'm going to suggest is for our own um, world, if it's going to be similar to our own, where the water is in a given um, biome really influences how the creatures live. And that may be the single most fundamentally important thing in explaining the flora and fauna. So mm-hmm. look toward, you know, the whatever the, the resource equivalent of water is, usually for a lot of fancy writers, is going to be the water. Yeah. Where is the water? How do they get to the water? How, do they, how does the water involve their breeding cycles? Because it usually does influence the breeding cycles of the flora and fauna. Um, and, and build yourself, your, your creatures and your plants from there. Also, um, wood. Wood is another thing that has a huge impact on a civilization. Yeah. Um, Iceland is really interesting because it, they started off having wood mm-hmm. and um, cut it all down. And there are no trees. I mean, they're very small stands of extremely scrubby trees. And so that meant that, um, you know, by the time the the British came around in World War II, everybody was living in turf houses mm-hmm. because that's what you could build out of. Yeah. And the wood was stuff that washed up on the shore from other places. That's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Easter Island's actually the same way. Yeah. But but it's something to look at that that when you have your people there and that looking at which resources are finite and what happens when those two things interact. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a, a civilization that is, you know, building lots and lots of things out of wood, at some point they're going to run out if they are if they are on an island. Um, so another one I would suggest to you, building your, um, your creatures and plants, think about what eats what. Yes. Um, water's number one, food is number two. What eats what and so what are your apex predators? Because there's always mm-hmm. going to be one mm-hmm. or two. Um, and they are generally going to have um, fewer children, uh, fewer, fewer offspring. They're going to breed a little less frequently or at least have smaller litters. Um, and they are going to have a smaller population than the thing below them, um, which is often going to eat the plants, which then are going to have to actually grow very quickly 
because something is eating them, which are different from the plants that grow very slowly that, um, that a lot of other creatures live in. And this is just kind of a basic, um, basic ecology. Um, yeah. Is that the right word? That's yeah. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, that's a ecology is yeah. a good word. All right, I think we'll st I'll stop us here um, for our book of the week, um, which is A Fire Upon the Deep by Werner Vinge. Uh, this is probably my favorite science fiction book of all time, and it's very appropriate here because it has one of the most fascinating alien races I've ever read, um, which is a is a low tech alien race, just you know starting to obtain sentience. It's a a group mind where you'll have four or five individuals that get together and make one personality. It's fascinating. Um, it's also got lots of great you know human characters um, interacting with these. It's a brilliant book. Um, one of the one of the best science fiction books ever written. It's got a kind of an epic feel to it, and he just did a sequel um, a, a couple months ago. Brilliant book. Um, highly recommended to anyone who is interested in world building at all. Excellent. Head on out to audiblepodcast.com/excuse. You can download a free uh, copy of Fire Upon the Deep after kicking off a fourteen day trial membership. Okay. Um, let's go ahead. I've got another um, another thing that I can suggest. Um, if you're thinking about writing flora and fauna of your books, um, life cycles. The life cycles of your creatures. This is actually something that's really interesting to play with. Um, it is also something that you should consider. You know, what are, are do they have a, how, how fast do things mature? Do they have mm -hmm. a different um, form? You know, they have a pupa and then a, an adult form, these sorts of things. Um, Dan, um, when we were talking about this uh, podcast, mentioned Dune. Yeah, Dune is a is a wonderful example of, and Dune is kind of cheating because Frank Herbert was an ecologist, and Dune is about ecology almost before it's about anything else, and so he, basically, and I don't know if this was his process, but I have to assume that he started uh, with the same process Brandon did of what would be awesome. How about gigantic worms that my characters can ride around on? Exactly. And then working backwards from there, and and it you know. Why is life cycle important? Because he's able to find little bits of this, you know, the, the worm's life cycles that play into every aspect of the culture on this planet. Yep. And from there, every aspect of the universe. I mean, the, the spice that the worms yep. create is what makes space travel possible. Another really good example of this, and again, it's a story where the ecology is kind of the whole point, uh, is Speaker for the Dead mm -hmm. by Orson Scott Card. Fantastic book. Where the... Uh, life cycle of these different plants and animals on the planet are the root of the whole mystery. Yeah, and, they and even the cultural very, very aspect of the aliens. Uh, really mm -hmm. great, but, you know, research, there are Earth cultures that have kind of based their lives around the migration habits and life cycles of a distinct animal um, or a plant during hunter-gatherer uh, sort of societal. I mean, the Native Americans with how they moved with the buffaloes and how they regarded the buffalo. This is, um, this is a great way to kickstart you into thinking about how the cultures of your world will interact with the ecology. Mm -hmm. um, uh, James P. Hogan's Giants novels, um, <clears throat> he turned some of this on its head a little bit. You know, you are talking earlier about, uh, you know, apex predators and the like. Um, the one of the discoveries in the books is that uh, these uh, these planets had, uh, or this planet, the evolution uh, animal life on the planet had all evolved very very toxic blood. Uh. Um, plants hadn't, but the animals had. All of the animals were vegetarians um, because the 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 switch to become a carnivore. Um, just the bit didn't get thrown that allowed you to you know right. not die from 
uh, eating somebody else's meat. Uh, and those critters, when they discovered Earth, thought our planet was just an absolute horrid, horrid nightmare planet because everything eats everything else. Oh, that's a genius. That's a genius yeah. story. Wow. Um, do, you, do we have anything else? Um, Mary, you had mentioned the idea of weather. Yes. I was like, I know that I did. Um, <laughs> Yeah, one of the things to look at when you're developing the flora and fauna is what the weather patterns are mm -hmm. and where they are, you know, because with the exception of things like Dune, um, for the most part, planets are not homogenous in the way the weather right. plays. Yes. And so that's going to have a huge impact on the way uh, no, flora and fauna. No, I've seen Star Wars. Every planet is <laughs> one, the ice planet, the desert planet, the forest planet. Yeah. Come on. Sorry, you're right. Uh -huh. um, what are we thinking? Um, speaking of ways that people do things wrong. Well, yes. before we get into the way people can do things wrong, I want to I want to promote one resource in particular, which is the book Guns, Germs, and Steel. I was thinking uh -huh. about that too. Which takes a really interesting look at how civilizations develop with different plants and animals around them. And one thing I had never considered before is you look at the areas of the world that have civilizations less technologically advanced than others. And they tend to have animals that don't work very well as pack animals. Yeah. You know, you talked about the Native uh -huh. Americans. They had the buffalo. Buffalo is a horrible pack animal, impossible to domesticate. You can't use it to plow a field. You can't use it as a work animal that moves stone around to build big buildings. Whereas in, in you know, Europe and Asia, they had horses, they had elephants that could do these things very easily. And so that's another thing to consider yeah. as you look at the effect yeah. oh, that's, that's animals great. are going to have. The other thing that, that I've found handy is um, looking at things that have gone extinct. Okay. Um, because a lot of times, you know, they have gone extinct for, you know, giant meteors hitting the earth, but they are, um, they're a good source for looking at creating animals that don't bear any resemblance to what we have now. Um, yeah. No, that's a, that's a very good point. Um, you know, we have, I think there's enough we can talk on this we really should can of worms going into another episode eventually on flora and fauna, specifically things people do wrong because we didn't mm -hmm. even get there. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and use my, um, my power as moderator and say <laughs> we're, we're, we're running out of time. Let's go ahead and make sure we do a, a second podcast on this. Okay. Um, and let's go ahead and bring it out right now um, and throw a writing prompt at Dan. At me? Yeah, haha. -ha. Okay. Uh, you look like well, you were dozing. What you <laughs> no, I don't. I've, I'm hiding it very well. Um, what I want you to do is take, thank you, Howard, take an animal that is, because I was just talking about this, a horrible pack animal. Take a mm -hmm. pig and then devise a culture where someone has actually trained pigs to plow fields and to move all this stuff. And, and how does that work when your only pack animal is, you know, a wild boar or a domesticated boar? Okay. Thank you very much, Dan. That was actually pretty, very good. Uh, you sound so surprised. Well, you know, this is. <laughs> and Howard's here trying to put our listeners to sleep. Most of them are commuting right now, I think. And so, if you cause a wreck, um, I'm I'm sending them to your insurance. Writing excuses disavows all knowledge <laughs> of the man who caused this wreck. You're you're writing a prompt. Come come up with a good excuse for why you rear-ended that car in front of you. <laughs> this has been writing excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. 
They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. Locus. 